The landscape of North America's networks is rapidly evolving. New technologies like 5G carry a lot of promise to redefine the way we do business, learn, and connect with one another. But we're not there just yet. From the budget to build, software to secure, and spectrum to support all use cases regardless of locale, a lot needs to happen before everyone can tap into its fullest potential. Tune in to Nokia today, where we discuss how policymakers, enterprises, and industry leaders are working together to bring today's network capabilities to scale for the future. Hello and welcome to Nokia Today. Our guest on this episode of the podcast is Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. Senator Blackburn serves on the United States Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation, as well as the Armed Services and Judiciary Committees. Each of these committees is deeply involved in communications technology and issues of privacy and security. Senator Blackburn has been a leader in communications policy issues in the Senate and during her tenure in the U.S. House of Representatives. She's been outspoken in her opposition to allowing companies with ties to foreign powers to play a role in building 5G infrastructure here in the United States and with our allies around the world, citing concerns about spying and security. Senator Blackburn continues to be a strong advocate for improving deployment and availability of broadband in the United States. Senator Blackburn, thank you for joining us here on Nokia Today. I am delighted to join you. Thank you so much for having me. And this is, as you know, one of my favorite topics to talk about. And how do we get technology into every corner of the country? How do we close the digital divide? And then you mentioned 5G technology. You know, 5G with all of these really super fast data rates, it is going to enable our healthcare providers to do more with telemedicine. It is going to enable surgeons to do surgery remotely. When you look at autonomous vehicles, and I was talking with a group that is supportive of one of our military installations this morning, and we were talking about the utilization of AVs, and it is these data rates that are going to be able to communicate so instantaneously. And then these AVs will have full awareness of their surroundings and will be able also to bring enormous amounts of data back to us. I think also when we talk about 5G, we have to look at the security risk that it presents with these large data sets. And if you have untrustworthy equipment embedded in your system from bad actors on the face of the globe, then you're going to have companies such as Huawei, which is a Chinese owned company that are going to seep in get data, and then basically corrupt the marketplace. Well, I can think of nobody better to walk us through this topic along with Senator Blackburn today than Brian Hendricks, VP of Policy and Government Affairs for Nokia Americas. So, Brian, let me turn it over to you to guide the conversation today. Well, thank you, Tyler, and, and welcome, Senator Blackburn. In your, your comments there, Senator, you really highlighted a couple of very important things. You've been a forceful advocate about the benefits of broadband, and, and you mentioned the the amazing benefits that 5G will ultimately bring with the higher data rates and the latency. But what I really want to zero in on is, is you just mentioned that with those benefits come some potential areas for concern and maybe new risks. 
What areas do you think policymakers need to be focused on with respect to those concerns? Well, one of the things that we have to keep our eye on is China and look at not only what they're doing in the hardware, but the software space and the way they're embedding chips and the way they are pulling this information. You know, when you talk about technological advancement, do we want it? Absolutely. Yes, we do. Because whether you're looking at the transactional life of commerce or you are looking at healthcare and the expanded use of telehealth or our military and the insertion of drones and ISR as to how we deal with cyber, how we build out space force. And then you also have to look at the interoperability with the utilization of these technologies and how that is going to enable our commanders to see firsthand in real time what is happening with the troops on the ground, what is happening with the vertical lift that is getting that troop back and forth. The FOB will be able to see. The co-command is going to be able to see. The Pentagon is going to be able to see. You're going to be able to see all this in real time. So what we have to realize is that in the United States, we separate our military and our commerce departments. They are not one in the same. What we have to begin to do is have our military partner up with these bright minds and innovators that are in the private sector space. Because what we do know is that China subsidizes their companies and companies in China are state-owned companies and they have in China their internet security law and this poses some very serious global surveillance risk for us. In China, if you are a tech company, then you're required to turn over data that is requested by the government. So whether you're Huawei, if you're Huawei and you are building out 5G transmission systems, why is it that we say to our allies and our partners, do not use Huawei? Because Huawei embeds these microchips and they're only visible when they start to transmit data. Why do we say you cannot have TikTok military members and Department of State employees? Why you can't have that on your phone? Because China captures not only that location data, but also they go in and they scoop up photographs and pictures and facial recognition. And they're building their repository of a virtual you of you. So we know that this exists for China. Now, here's another reason. This is a difficult situation. China would like to be the standard setter when it comes to 5G and 6G and technologies beyond. Why is it that they want to do that? Because this isn't like going from 3G to 4G. 5G is a whole new realm with the speeds, with the clarity. This is going to be a 
different transmission than we have had in the past. Now, also, another reason that China poses such a risk to us that China has seen really explosive growth in their R&D expenditures since 2000. Now, China made a business model out of pirating, of scooping technology, reverse engineering, stealing trade secrets. They've done this by embedding their spies in numerous companies. Now, what they're beginning to do, now that they have stolen their way to building a foundation for an industry, then they are investing in R&D so that they can lead the way in development of technology and set the standards. And we rely on China for a host of our manufacturing needs. And I was just talking to a company about pharmaceutical manufacturing with our pharmaceutical ingredient synthesis and our active pharmaceutical ingredients, semiconductors that I previously mentioned, the semiconductor fabrication. We have to begin to untangle our relationship with Beijing and we have to pass legislation that is going to bring our manufacturing back to the United States. Well, thank you very much, Senator. You you covered a lot of ground there. And I wanted to come back and and zero in on one point that you made. The Made in China 2025 strategy raised a lot of concerns when it became public information. Um, You've previously noted both here on the, the podcast, but also in the Senate, about several aspects that concern you, including the broad use of aggressive financing support for their companies, uh, which can be used to undercut other players in the global market and short circuit regular competition. Can you expand a little bit on on that particular threat, why you believe that poses a a global security and long-term innovation challenge? Absolutely. Debt diplomacy. Yeah, debt diplomacy is what you are referencing. And take a location like Djibouti. I was in Djibouti last fall. Now, what China has done there, China wanted their port at Djibouti so that they could establish a military presence there in the Horn of Africa. So they say to the Djiboutans, if you will allow us to build a port, we will expand your capacity in the port. We will house our military here, and our trade-off is going to be we're going to bring technology to Djibouti. So everybody's got a cell phone. Every street corner has a camera. Why do they do this? Why does China do this in Djibouti? It's because not only is Djibouti deeply indebted to China, China is building an entire digital file of the population of Djibouti. They know where they go. They know who their relationships and their friends are. They know what their transactions are. They know when they are out and about. They know when they're at home. This is the surveillance state. Now, China sometimes will become so deeply engrossed with some of these developing nations that they end up holding as much as 80% of a country's debt. 
their entire debt. And in the case of Djibouti, they feel, you know, they now have a bigger, more modern port, but China is pretty much in control of that port. And China is now housing a military unit there in Djibouti at that port. So if I could shift your focus, Senator, for just a moment to the domestic side of things here in the U.S., there's, there's been a lot of discussion about the race to 5G. From the standpoint of Nokia, we've tried to focus on promoting policies here that actually put the, the U.S. carriers and service providers in, in a very strong position to be deploying. What do you make so far of the U.S. approach on spectrum allocation? Are, are there areas that you think we've done well or, or areas where we need to improve? Well, there is no doubt that recouping spectrum and getting it ready to auction should be at the top of the list. And we have just recently recouped some from the Department of Defense. And this is because that mid-band spectrum is vital for deploying 5G. And this is an area where we should be working more aggressively knowing exactly what spectrum is available, making certain that we do a good inventory, and then pulling back any spectrum that is being squatted on or is not being properly used. I think it would also be helpful as we look at the race around 5G and advanced technologies for the FCC to speed up their process that leads to the auction opening. We have learned from this pandemic that with remote learning, remote working, with telehealth applications, you see the need for more access to high-speed internet and broadband. Now, in order to help close this digital divide, Senator Baldwin and I introduced the Internet Exchange Act. And This would improve network resiliency and speed and would provide more value for the customer because you would have these data exchange centers. Uh, You'd clear away some of the regulation around that and allow those to to be facilitated. We think that is going to be important. But speeding the auctions, inventorying the spectrum, recouping the spectrum that is not being used, and quickly getting it to auction is something that we should do. Let me add to that also, that when it comes to innovation, we need to have our companies, more of our companies, working with the Department of Defense and making them aware of next use for certain technologies or how this could work to help keep our country safe and protect us not only in the physical space, but also in the virtual space. Well, thank you, Senator. You know, and we certainly agree with with the points that you laid out about the need to focus on some of the the mid-band spectrum and the, and the speed. And it sounds like you're you're pretty pleased with what we've done, but see some opportunities for improvement in the spectrum area. Let me ask you more generally, Are there other actions that you think can be taken as we look forward to improve U.S. technological capabilities, not just for 5G, but for what comes next? Oh, I think that there is. I honestly believe that more of an emphasis on R&D 
and beginning to share some of this work and capabilities and platforms. And when you go back and look at the early days of the internet, how was it that they realized different things could be used, say in the banking industry and something, a platform could apply to the music industry or to the healthcare industry. And they did this by working cross-platform on any number of things. As we look at how we're going to utilize Spectrum, as we look at applications that are going to be used in different ways, we should consider that and make certain that we are thinking outside the box, if you will, and that we're saying if we could do this with a certain technology or a certain platform, then how could that possibly be used in another way? I will tell you, I think the innovation that's going to come around Space Force and ISR is going to require big thinkers that are going to bring new utilizations and new concepts to the forefront. Senator, so with all of that activity and, and the emphasis on R&D, is there in your estimation a sort of a will and an interest in Congress in looking at ways to encourage companies to, to potentially relocate some of their research and development activities from, from other countries, whether it be China or, or others, to the United States as part of that comparative advantage? Yes. Yes, there is. And it becomes how do you incentivize the return of our critical supply lines? And of course, semiconductor chips, components in our telecommunications industry and electronics are vital to this. And we're looking at those incentive packages now. How do we get this to become a reality? And workforce training, see, we need to think in that regard so that we have workers that can do this advanced manufacturing work. Jackie Rosen and I, Senator Rosen and I, have a bill that deals with advanced manufacturing and that workforce. And as I mentioned, the SAMC bill with pharmaceuticals, we are incentivizing through that bill the workforce for the pharmaceutical companies by putting a grant pool in place for higher learning institutions to partner up with these pharmaceutical companies. And as we make this commitment to return this critical supply line manufacturing from China, we have to realize that the incentives, whether it's going to be tax credits or grants or loans, the incentives have to be there also. Well, Senator Blackburn, thank you so much for, for your time. It looks like we've come to the end of our, our discussion. I want to thank you on behalf of Nokia for participating in the, the conversation today. I'm delighted to join you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much to Senator Marsha Blackburn for joining us here on the Nokia Today podcast today. And thank you so much to Brian Hendricks for guiding the conversation. We appreciated their insight and expertise very, very much on this episode. Everyone, please be sure to go subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to stay up to date with the latest going on in 5G and with Nokia. Of course, you can also head to the Nokia website. It's Nokia.com to stay up to date with the latest. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the Nokia Today podcast. But until then, I'm Tyler Kern, and we'll talk again soon. 